0: you know even as we dedicated these children you know we 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 of course are doing this in faith, uh, we believe we're agreeing with God's plan. And I had a friend whose mom dedicated him and a church called his church in Pine Town. They weren't involved in the church. Mom had this sense she must dedicate a child. They went and prayed, and the the, the person who did it prayed over um, him. His name Simon prayed for leadership over his life. Had a sense just to pray for leadership. Little did he know that he was actually praying for the next pastor of the church. He ended up getting saved after school and becoming the leader of that church and just just you know we we see dedication go oh it's it's special no no it's powerful and it's spiritual and god honors it and he sees us doing it and he goes i'll show myself strong on behalf of those who are fully committed to me so i want to honor the parents just as they step out in faith um yeah we're believing for miracles for your children We're in the second week of Matters of the Heart, and my wife would have kicked it off, and I would have been at Malpus, and then I spoke on Sunday evening. But the first lesson we learned is that according to the Bible, we see that God made everything, and He owns everything. And because of that, if we looked at who we are in the story, we are stewards, Uh, We are people who, of course, get to manage the resources of God. And then, yes, in the parable of the talents, where God actually shows the landowner and the people he releases the talents to, our role is to not only steward it, but to bring increase, because God will one day ask us what we did with what he gave us. And we said people who are stewards are way more happy, they're way more content, Then people who think they're owners. People who think they're owners can end up becoming arrogant and actually really push a lot of people out of their life and live under severe stress. But people who are stewards see the privilege of being God's child and they're grateful for everything God's given them. Today, I wanna speak to you about, um, the key verse is found in Matthew 6, verse 24, and it goes like this. No one can serve two masters. They'll either hate the one and love the other, or else he'll be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Of course, the word mammon there means trust in riches. This scripture says, you can't serve God, another way, you can't trust God fully and also put your trust in riches. You'll either love the one or hate the other. And God's saying to us, that you actually have to be careful of this. Of course, we call the series Matters the Heart because it says wherever your treasure, there your heart will be also. And when it comes to finances and treasure, it is a matter of the heart. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6 verse 10, the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. What I wanna point out, it doesn't say money's evil, it says the love of money. And mammon, the word mammon, is trust in riches. That's what it means in its original language. Other versions of the Bible says you cannot love God and you, cannot, you can't serve God and money. A lot of us think, of, think that it's either God or the devil. You know what I mean? It's a really a competition. Are you a godly person or are you serving the devil? Scripture points out it's actually God or mammon. It's actually an issue that you have to look at. It's something that you can end up serving. I don't know if you guys realize this, but mammon actually speaks. Uh, Mammon is the god of greed and selfishness, and it actually uh, gets outworked in fear, but mammon speaks. I don't know if you've ever heard mammon speak. Here we go. Have you ever had this thought, if I just had that a better car, I'd be happy? Anyone thought that? Yeah, while you're driving your car, it's clunking along. Yeah, I think everyone somehow thinks that, hey, am I the only one who's ever had that thought? If I just had a better car, if I could only afford to eat at that restaurant or have these things, then people would respect me more. Anyone have that thought? Has anyone ever bought something new and put it on Facebook and said, look at me now? <laughs> Cake for me, no. Sheesh. You thought I'd never make it. To all the haters out there, I just bought this. I've just look at me. Come on, hey, anyone? <laughs> I haven't. so I don't want to put my hand up. Anyway, <laughs> when when you got married? Yo, no, no, we're not got married. Come on. To all those dudes in school who tuned me. Oh, look at anyway. So those are the actual thoughts that mammon give us. It's a way of putting our attention on trusting riches instead of trusting God, thinking that just because we've got stuff, we've got somewhere. Of course, mammon wants to rule. And that's why Scripture says you can either serve God or mammon. So that mammon doesn't want to share. And God is, of course, a jealous God. He doesn't want to share you with the spirit of mammon. So the reason Jesus tells us um, that you either serve one or the other is because he knows that mammon does not want just a little bit of your heart. He wants a rule in your heart. And mammon knows that if you can put your faith in things, you'll begin to believe that you don't need God. If you can just trust in your studies, how much you make, and your your house, your car, then you'll start to believe you don't need God. Mammon, of course, also makes promises that it's got no rights on making. It's like an estate agent putting on private property or property 24, I'm selling the moon for like $20 million. Everyone knows you have no rights to the moon and you've never been there. But that's what mammon does. Mammon actually promises us things that only God can provide. It promises us security, acceptance, purpose, power, and influence. It actually says if you just get a better car or house or, or these toys then you're gonna have more security, you're gonna be a happier person. So mammon speaks, it wants to fully rule in your life, and it promises things it has no rights on promising. It promises things that only God can give you. Mammon promotes comparison. Anytime you find yourself comparing what you have to what others have, it's a safe assumption that mammon is behind that thought. Mammon takes out, takes us out of the heart of gratitude because we end up coveting what others have. If I just had that, I'd be happier. Of course, mammon also, when you meet somebody who's got less than you, says you're better than them. It's the spirit of mammon. If you've ever met somebody who's got less, even in that moment, you'll go, well, clearly I've worked harder. I deserve this. They're lazy. It's the spirit of mammon. Mammon rules over resources that haven't been submitted to God. It's a spirit. You guys think I'm nuts. But mammon's actually a spirit. That's why the Bible says you either serve God or mammon because it's a spirit. It speaks. It wants rule. The Bible doesn't say you either serve God or the devil. It says God or mammon. It's something that wants to be the Lord of your life, but it has no rights on offering you anything. If it gets you there, you end up spending your life to realize it came to nothing. Spending your life chasing after mammon. Of course, when we see this, and when we realize what mammon's doing, you and I commit ourselves to God instead of mammon. Proverbs 11 verse 28 says, those who trust in their riches will fall, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. Deuteronomy 8 verse 18 says, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth, and so confirms his covenant which he swore to your ancestors as it is today. So even there, Mammon says, you got it, you made it, you're a self-made man. Well, which part of yourself did you make, if you can point it out? Well, I actually made this part, no, I didn't. It says that God gives you the ability to produce wealth. There's nothing that we've got that isn't from God that should stir us up to become prideful and look down on others. It's all God. Once we let the spirit of mammon come into our life, greed and fear can rise. Both of these end up making you selfish and self-focused. When you're greedy, you want more. When you're fearful, you think somebody else is gonna take what you got. So either way, you build a wall. It's all about me. I'm either protecting myself or I'm getting a bit more for myself. It's all about myself. So the outworking of the spirit of mammon is greed and fear, and you become very self-focused. Greed is an intense And selfish desire for things, for wealth, for power, and even for food. Greed is attempting to communicate to you and me that we never will have enough. It's a mindset that doesn't allow contentment to come into your life. Have you ever, you told your spouse, just once we get this, then we're going to chill. We're going to be more chilled. We're going to be content. And then all of a sudden, another deal and another thing happens. You say, honey, I'll be back. I need to just do one more trip. And I need to go here and I need to get this done. Then one day we will, next thing you the kids are gone. You're like, where are the kids? They left, remember? You were chasing after supposedly what we said we were gonna be happy with five years ago. Oh, and this year, once I get it, we're gonna go on more date nights. See, that's Mammon speaking to you. My contentment is happy with what it's got right now. I'm not speaking into laziness. I'm not speaking against saving. I'm not speaking against being diligent. But I am making you aware that mammon is like a toilet. Sounds quite terrible, but you'll pour your life into it and then it'll kick you off the throne and flush everything you did down the toilet. And you'll go, did I pour my life into nothing? Well, if it was chasing after mammon, yes. Because the Bible actually says people who chase after it realize they were chasing shadows. Fear tells you you'll never have enough. You'll just keep storing up and you'll become like a mammon hoarder. Have you ever seen those programs of the hoarders that come to the house and they almost like help them get rid of stuff and they cry? <laughs> but what if I need that? Come on, have you ever not thrown something out because you suppose you're supposed to going to wear it again? And then two years later, you still haven't worn it, but you might wear it next year. That's, who's got a garage full of things they haven't used for years, but they might use it at some point? And I know the rule, once you get rid of it, the next week you need it. <laughs> Murphy's Law. See, now we speak Murphy's Law, Mammon, and anyway, I don't know, anyway. It's not even in the Bible, but who's Murphy? Anyway, um, but you become a hoarder when you fear. You know, there's a guy in the Bible who makes all this money, and he goes, look at all my harvest. He says, my, he forgets that he's a steward. And he goes into mine, he goes, oh, you know what I'm doing? I'm going to build bigger bonds." And he says, then I'm going to make merry and rest, because I'll have all this thing stored up for what's to come. He, and then God says, you fool, today your life will be taken from you. You and I always think that we've got more time. I want to let you know the only place you and I have more time is in heaven. It's the only guarantee of time. The only guarantee of time is eternity. This is called the temporary. If you get fixated on the temporary, you'll miss out the opportunity to build treasures for eternity. Eternity is your only guarantee. I'm not speaking against stewardship. You need to do well. You need to leave inheritance for your children's Children, Scripture says. But don't get so fixated on the temporary that you foolishly think that you are in charge of your life. You and I are stewards. We're stewards of this life. We're stewards of our resources. Fear conditions us to overstuff our savings account because there is a point where you're just saving for no reason. You're not seeing the opportunity to bless other people. It makes you tight-fisted. Fear looks like this. Greed looks like this. And get everyone else away, and it makes you want more. But faith that God's actually blessed you says, God, you've given me everything. Is there anything you wanna do with my life? Do you want me to be a blessing to my world? Fear closes its hand. Faith opens its hand and takes care of what God's given them, but also says, God, is there anything you want me to do with it? The cool thing is that God can bless an open hand, but he can do nothing with a closed hand. A closed hand can get what man can give them. An open hand of faith can access what God can give them. And clearly God can do way more than man can do. So what does greed do? What does fear do? Well, greed kills. Proverbs 1 verse 19, such is the fate of all who are greedy for money. It robs them of life. I don't know if your marriage has got robbed and you sense it. There's a, there's, even though you're alive, it feels dead because greed's at the foundation of it. And maybe your relationship with your kids, it's dead because of greed. I don't know what's dead in your life. Maybe even work at a dead place. Everyone's just greedy. You will Schnee anyone to get that deal across the line. I remember working for a company. We sold them something. And then I, they ended up putting, I sold them a brand new machine. It was my, I finished school and I studied. And, and I went to the site and they put a second hand machine in. I'm standing there going, a second hand machine. I go to my boss. I said, we signed off a new machine. Yeah, it it's not a big deal. The crazy thing or she, I had a lot of influence there. I closed the door, I said, it's a big deal to God because we've lied to them. Greed will get you to do crazy things and somehow think that God's not watching. <laughs> Luke 12 verse 15 says, Jesus said, watch out, beyond God against all kinds of greed, a man's life does not consist of the abundance of his possessions. Number two, greed causes us to waste our lives. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. Greed causes misery. Greed, um, Proverbs 15 verse 27, greed brings grief to the whole family. and That's not grief. my surname's name's Grief. That's going through school and grief, yeah. You caused me a lot of grief, eh, grief? Thanks, sir. But greed brings grief to the whole family. And I don't know if you've been living in a grieving season. You're always grieving what you might not have yet. It's cause of greed. You go on a holiday and go, yeah, we could've gone on a better holiday. You go, you go out to your family and go, look at that family, what they have. You go to shops and look at stuff you can't buy, you're always grieving it. It's cause of greed. You wonder why there's grief in your home and nothing's actually died. It's because there's something that's alive that's unhealthy, it's greed. 1 Timothy 6 verse 10, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Greed makes the word of God unfruitful. Matthew 13 verse 22, the worries of this life and deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. The world, of course, tells us to put our hope in money and things of this world. Satan wants us to hang all our hope on riches and look to leaders to save us. But only Jesus is our protector and our provider. When greed's voice rules in our lives, we're never able to truly be grateful. One of the keys of God's blessing in our life and experiencing the contentment and joy is gratitude. What if you woke up tomorrow with only the things you were grateful for? Would you wake up with anything? Would you still be married? Would you still have kids? If we want to experience the blessings of God and, and also the joy that God wants to bring in our life, because the joy of the Lord is our strength, gratitude is key. Try it. Wake up and just thank God. Walk around now. Thank you for that. Thank you for that. Thank you for the roof over me. Thank you for this nation. Thank you. you know, a lot of people, we can go, oh, uh, it says, that, you know what I mean? The, the, the obedient eat the fruit of the land. Some of us can't eat from this land because we're just so ungrateful for it. And then we think the grass is green on the other side. This is a story, synthetic, fake grass. So, How do we stay grateful? Well, we understand that God owns everything and he takes care of his people. That's what scripture promises. Philippians 4 verse 19 says, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. That's the God we serve. He's faithful. Ah, Thank you, Jesus. Number two, God promises he'll bless us if we put his agenda first. Matthew 6 verse 33, but seek first his kingdom and all his his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. We can become content. Hebrews 13 verse 5, keep your lives free from the love of money and be content in what you have because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. Paul says in Philippians 4, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do everything through Him who gives me strength. I can do everything. I can be content. I don't have to live in greed. I don't have to live in the grief. I don't have to have the word of God choked in my life. I don't have to be piercing myself with grief and, and having something die in my family. Chasing after shadows. I can know that God's good. I pray for you guys. Listen we do fasting prayer. I pray that everyone in our church has great holidays. I'm not speaking against God blessing you, having fun, being blessed. I'm trusting that you're the head and not the tail. But once you put your trust in what God blesses you with, we're in trouble. Don't make the blessings of God your God. Let God who blesses you stay your God. Let Him be the ruler of your life. I'm believing that you'll be blessed. All your children will flourish, have an education. I'm believing for all these things. God says, look at the the birds of the air, the lilies of the field. Do not, not care more for you. He will take care of you. He's a good God. I'm believing for that. But don't go make what He gives you your God. That's a lie. You and I get to live between the zeros. Ecclesiastes 5 is 50, naked a man comes from his mother's womb. As he comes, he departs. Remember that. You start with zero, you end with zero. Don't go be foolish and try to get as many zeros behind what you think your number is. Yes, be stewards and be diligent leave an inheritance. But understand that you're made for more than this life. It's called eternal life. It's called heaven. And God wants you to take the opportunity on earth to glorify Him on earth so you can store up treasures in heaven. He wants you to put Him first. He wants you to soften your heart and say, God, what do you want to do? Live open-handed. Yes, take care of it and God's going to bless you. But also be in a place where God can speak to you about what He wants to do with your life. Don't be so fearful that nobody can speak to you anymore. Did you see what's going to happen? There might be a war in the economy. Did you see the weather? And you, did, you see, did you hear so-and-so's in leadership? Yes, those guys, there are people who are bad, and I'm praying against corruption. I'm praying against those things, but God's still good. He's still on the throne. And Bible says, don't throw away your confidence because it will be richly rewarded. I'm not going to take my eyes off Jesus. I'm going to put my faith in man and in mammon. What is the vision for your life? Just to gather stuff between the zeros and live in jealousy and competition and have no contentment and grief in your family? Or is it to have an eternal perspective that God could use your life between the zeros and you can invest in His kingdom and His treasure? We can make life all about our reputation, our position, our stuff in our bodies, or we can make life about heaven That the only thing you get to take to heaven is people. And Jesus showed us what's valuable to him by pouring out his blood on the cross and paying the highest price for people. I guess he'd like to use our blessings to be a blessing to people. God would like us to use our lives to tell others about his love. And sometimes the best way to tell other people about his love is to be generous to them because it says your gift makes room for you. What are you living for? But when you and I get into this place where we made it, where we got ourselves here, well, pride kicks in. And pride ends up robbing us from experiencing all that God has for us. It says pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Proverbs 16, verse 18. James 4, verse 6 says, God opposes the proud, but He gives grace to the humble. Satan said this, Isaiah 14, verse 13. I'll ascend into heaven. I'll exalt my throne above the stars of God. You know what happened to Satan? Luke 10, verse 18. The Bible says Satan rebelled against God and then fell like lightning. Has anyone ever seen lightning? If you don't look properly, you'll miss it, hey? That's how quick Satan fell. And that's how quick we can fall in a place of pride. So we stay away from that. So we come to God. We humbly come to Him. How do we break these things? We trust God. We, we humbly come to Him. We trust Him. We, we, we say, you God. We break it. And, 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 and so there's a spirit. The Bible says there's a spirit, the spirit of mammon on the blessing God gives you if it's unsurrendered. When it's not surrendered to God, There can be a spirit on it, and it can speak to you. You better work harder for me. You better take good care of me because somebody's going to steal me. If you don't have me, you have no life. If you have more of me, you'll be secure, and you'll be successful, and people will think you're good, Or speak to you. How do you stop that voice? You say, hey, money, the only way you came to me was via God this is God's money. I'm going to take great care of it. I'm going to be diligent. I'm going to be a steward of it. I'm going to budget properly. But I'm also going to say to God, what do you want me to do? I'm also, when I enjoy it and we get to do holidays or stuff, I'm going to say, thank you, God. is only because of you that I get to do this holiday. This house, it's only because of you. And I jump in my car, i drive and say, God, you made me money. No, no, you didn't give this to me, money. God gave me your, you. You're actually under God's authority. You're God's money. You know, when I've had a sense where things have gone wrong, I take a stand. I, the will told me this went wrong. I, I, I say, God, I've submitted to you. I've broken the curse of mammon over my life. You say, if I come under your authority, I can resist the devil. And you said, if I submit to you, you'll rebuke the devourer. There seems to be a devouring going on. God, I stand on not only the the ability, but you say you'll do it on my behalf. Will you rebuke the devourer right now from my finances? Will you break the curse of the spirit of mammon over my money right now? And God, I just thank you for this money. And I do it. I'm like, you go, I'll do whatever. (laughs) I know. I need Jesus. Malachi three verse six says, "I am the Lord, for I am the Lord." For me, this is crazy. It says, "I do not change. I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. Yet, from the days of your fathers, I've gone. Uh, you've gone away from my ordinances and have not kept them." So, so he says I'm God I do not change he says no you've gone away from my ordinances," and, and he says protect me he says return to me and I'll return to you because in James it says as you come close to God he comes close to you same God speaking you need to return to me and I'll return to you and, and they're going in what way must we return then God says will you rob God yet you, and and, will man rob God? God asks, yet you've robbed me. But they say, what way have we robbed you? And God says, in your tithes and your offerings. Of course, God says in verse 10, bring a whole tithe to sow us. There may be food in my house and try me in this, says the Lord of hosts. And I'll not open up the windows of heaven and pour out such a blessing. There'll be no room enough to receive it. It's the only place where God in the Bible says, test me, test me to see if I'll not bless you. But you need to first honor me and declare this is where who gave you the money. Return to me. This is my favorite part of it. It says in verse 11, and I'll rebuke the devourer for your sakes. say, God, in James, it says, if I submit to you and resist the devil, he'll flee. But in this scripture, it says, when I return to you in this way, you'll rebuke the devourer. Two areas where you're returning to God and there's a rebuking of the devil. Malachi in James. It says, and I rebuke the devourer for your sakes so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground, so the fruit of your harvest, nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit. God can rebuke the devourer from what's come in, and what will be reduced in the future. It's like the enemy's cut off. I encourage you to surrender to God, to acknowledge God in everything you've got, to trust Him, to have humility and come towards Him, because you and I need all the help we can get. You and I are more spiritual than we physical. And we cannot overcome in the physical, but we can in the spiritual. And God offers us great help as you return to Him, as we put Him first, as we break the curse, rebuke the devourer, and have Him open up the windows of heaven over our life so we can not contain it. Do you want to close your eyes? God, wherever there's grief, there's fear, there's a chasing after shadows, there's a loss of life, just people feel like dead dead people running. I pray that you'd release people this morning. Right now, I submit to you. Come under your authority and I resist the plans of the enemy. I rebuke the devourer and I'll break the power that the spirit of mammon has over people's households. We trust you now, God. We humble ourselves. We put our faith in you. We thank you, God, for everything you've given us. Anoint us to be wise stewards. Help us to return to you and help us to also store treasures in heaven that we can enjoy forever. In Jesus' name. With every eye closed, if you, sense you need a return to God, and what I mean by that is give your life to Jesus. Ask Him to be the Lord of your life and forgive you of your sins. If you want, If you want to do that, ask Him to be your Lord and your Savior, I'd love to lead you in a prayer. Maybe you sense you, you're not far from God, you haven't surrendered your life to him, you've never asked him to forgive you of your sins. The Bible says if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. The Bible says if we call on the name of the Lord, we will be saved. And in this, in this moment, you say, I need to call in his name just to save me. With every eye closed, I respect, if you want me to lead you in a prayer, I'd love the privilege of leading you in that prayer. Just give me a wave, say, Andre, I need to pray that prayer. Go for it. If that's you, God bless you. Anyone else? Just give me a word. God bless you. Anyone else? God bless you. I want to. God bless you. Anyone else? Let's pray quickly. Jesus. Come on, let's pray to church for me. Jesus, please be the Lord of my life. I confess that I'm a sinner. Thank you that you are faithful to forgive me of my sins. I confess that you're the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Because of this confession and this belief, the Bible says that I'm saved, I'll change, and I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's just thank Jesus' place. Awesome. Remember, um, if you want us to pray for you, there are prayer cards in the seat cover in front of you or under your chair if you're in the front row. Fill out that card. You have to put your name on if it's a private prayer request. Our prayer teams pray for you. That's one way we can serve you. If you need any information, you can use that card. The best way to get information is go to the Red Banner, get your first free cappuccino if you're a first-time guest, and then, of course, any info you need. Uh, Chris Berry will be preaching tonight, so don't miss out on that. Have an awesome Sunday. God bless you guys.